Turn over to John's Gospel, chapter 12 this morning. We'll continue on in our series in John. John, chapter 12. I was thinking about Memorial Day and Memorial Day traditions. Shortly after we moved into the parsonage, Someone left us a brand new barbecue grill in our driveway, still in the box. Thank you very much. We still don't know who it was. Um, But just that thought um, that someone or maybe a few people got together, uh, gave of their hard-earned money to say, hey, Silvers, you mean something to me. You mean something to us. Uh, it not only touched our hearts in in feeling valued and in gratitude, but I, I think, you know, something like that also affected our lives, uh, th- that we would want to do the same things, that, that we would be more wanting, more willing to do that kind of thing for others. And such are the effects of sacrifice. And that's what I want to entitle this Memorial Day weekend message this morning, the effects of sacrifice. John chapter 12, uh, continuing on where we left off last week, beginning of verse 27, Jesus says this. He says, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Jesus, if you remember, had just announced it's time. You know, the Greeks were there. They had wanted to see him. And Jesus doesn't doesn't even acknowledge. He says, it's time for me to go. It's time for me to leave. Time for what? Right. It time for him. Uh, if you know, he notice in the Gospels, he'll he has said several. Can we turn this down a little. This is a little too hot, I think. I'm reverberating. I gotta hold gotta hold it way out here. Test, test, that's better. Thank you so much. Don't know what I do without Alex. <laughs> um all through <laughs> you either. <laughs> Elaine can't either. So uh, all through the Gospels, Jesus said, it's not yet my time. It's not yet my time. It's not yet my time. And now he says, it's time, right? Time for what? Time to allow himself to be captured by the Jewish authorities who wanted him dead, who wanted him out of the way. You remember, again, because the more people that believed in him, um, who proclaimed him to be the Messiah and the prophesied king, um, the more dangerous the situation would be, right? The greater the likelihood would be that the Romans would come in and see this as a threat to their control, and they would come in with their army and just wreak havoc uh, in the Jewish nation, destroying things and resettling people, et cetera, et cetera. But Jesus sees beyond all of that. He knows that his sacrifice is necessary not to spare one race of people from the wrath of Rome, but to spare 
all people from the wrath of God. The rightful judgment that awaits all of us when we stand before the throne and the books are opened, revealing every selfish act, every uh, attitude, every time we knowingly and willfully sin against God. It's all going to be there in our human arrogance and independence, right? Bringing with it the due penalty of the wrath of God and our eternal separation from his holiness. But Jesus, in his love for us, was going to have all of our sin laid upon him. His death, paying that price so that all who believe would not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. John 3.16. Being expunged of the guilt, being made righteous in God's sight, being, being reconciled to God as his beloved children. That's what Jesus is looking forward to. So now, and Jesus knows it, right? Now it's time. Time to let himself be captured, falsely accused, at least two illegal trials, beaten, spit upon, scourged with a cat of nine tails until his back was like hamburger, until, as Isaiah said, it, he was beyond human likeness. A crown of thorns, probably an inch long, jammed into his head, and then condemned to die on an excruciating Roman cross. You say, why get so graphic? No, I'm not a sadist. <laughs> but I think sometimes that, that you and I, we, we've seen so many deaths on TV that we're kind of insensitive. To, Jesus died. Yeah, Jesus died. Jesus died. Jesus died. We talk about it in the church all the time. Jesus died for us. But we do we really stop to realize what he went through for us. The prolonged, intense pain, the humiliation, the, the spiritual burden of the weight of the sin of mankind put upon him, which I, I, can't, I can't even wrap my brain around. All of that endured over several hours, right? Why? Why? You know, it, it wasn't just, you know, you see the, the old Westerns, you know, somebody's just laying there. They got shot. And about five minutes later, they rolled their. Why they always roll their head to the side? I don't know. But they rolled their head to the side. And you knew they were dead. And that was it. It was all over. But again, we're talking about beating. We're talking about lashes of the whip. We're talking about hours hanging on that cross. All of it. Why? Because he loved us that much. Right? You, you, you've got to see the graphicness of it. You've got to see the depth of it if you're going to realize he did that for me. Right? But here he is now, and he knows. He knows what he's going to face, right? He knows all of this is ahead of him, just hours of way. And, and he says, my soul is troubled. You think? Right? He knows this is all going to face. I will never forget 
if any of you have seen the movie Saving Private Ryan, watching those boats transporting men to the beaches of Normandy. Some of them, 17, 18-year-old boys, right, being dropped off into a hail of gunfire onto that beach where initially there, there is, there's no cover, right? Just, just basically a suicide mission until they can establish a beachhead, which took some time. So there they are on those boats, and, and I'll just never forget that image, trying to hold it together, trying to psych themselves up, some of them actually vomiting in fear because they know what's up ahead. Again, graphic, but fitting, really, on this Memorial Day that we might truly understand what people went through. I have a friend of mine who served in, in Vietnam. He said, people ask me all the time, what was it like in Vietnam? And he says, well, have you ever been scared? I mean, really, really scared. And he says, multiply that by about 100 and make that 24-7. That's what it was like. And that's, and that's a survivor, okay? That's, that's, that, that's a veteran, um, I think, again, if it, it's, it's not just a clean, you get a bullet and you're dead and you're gone, right? Uh, the things that people had to endure, uh, some of them laying in hospitals for weeks or months before they died, you know, to really grasp what was this sacrifice for me? What did they actually do for me? You kind of got to dig deep because it's not an easy thing, right? Not a fast thing. But they did it day after day and, and, and went through these horrible things and, and watching their friends die, all that kind of thing, because it was important enough to preserve those freedoms for you and me. So that we, on, on, on a Memorial Day weekend, we, we don't just take the opportunity to say, hey, we got a day off, let's have a barbecue and some people over which is great, but I think it behooves us to pause and reflect and understand the grief and the loss and the pain that we might humbly before God utter some words of thanksgiving. And, and, and again, not, not just be thankful for what was, but take advantage of what is, right? Isn't that the greatest honor to those who fought and, did, and died for us, that we would take advantage of what they died to preserve, right? So let's do that and honor them. Pause, reflect. Ask ourselves, how should I respond and how then should I live? And likewise, as we look at Jesus, understanding what he went through for us, us personally, again, taking pause to understand that and to reflect and to say, okay, because he went through all of that, how should I respond? And how should I live? So Jesus knows what's up ahead. 
that is just days away, and understandably, he is deeply, deeply troubled. Again, next part of verse 27, he says, And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Save me from this hour. In other words, am I supposed to try to get out of this? And the, 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 un, the uh, redundancy in that is no. No. He says, but for this purpose, I have come to this hour. To that purpose, I have come to this hour. What purpose? Ultimately, the purpose is to reconcile you and me to God Almighty. To bring us back into a relationship with the God who created us, the God who loves us. That was his ultimate end, right? I want people have been cut off because of sin. They're, they're far away from me. They're far away from my father. I want to do everything I can to put them back together again in a relationship. Not hand them a rule book, relationship, right? Bring them back together again. But it was going to cost, wasn't it? Because there was only one possible way. The way of suffering and death. This was the plan from the beginning. That God would demonstrate his love for us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That he would reveal to us just how far he would go to bring us back into a relationship with him. Jesus was not like Iron Man in a suit of armor, right? Withstanding bullet after bullet, rocket after rocket, mortar after mortar, and emerging unscathed. Jesus, as a man, felt every blow, every lash of the whip, every nail, Every excruciating breath for you and for me. Because he was pierced for our transgressions, Isaiah 53 says. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed for this purpose. I have come. This is why I was born. This is why I've come. For this purpose, to show you in no uncertain terms how much I love you, how much God loves you, and to bring glory to such an awesome God. Right? He doesn't need us. We've, we've talked about that before. He is God. He has completed himself. And yet, and we sinned against him. He had every right to condemn us, right? Every right in the world to condemn us. But this is what he went through to reveal his love to us, to reconcile us to himself. And Jesus saying, I'm doing this and I'm bringing glory to this awesome, awesome God. Verse 28, Father, Glorify your name. Then a voice from heaven came. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Verse 28. See, he glorified it before, like when he delivered Israel out of bondage in the land of Egypt, right? 
brought them into the promised land, uh, brought them on eagle's wings to himself, the scripture says, right? He glorified himself with signs and wonders, miracles. He brought this race of slaves out of the most powerful nation in the world because there's nothing God can't do. And in a similar way, he brought us out of the most powerful kingdom, right? The kingdom of this world run by the prince of the power of the air, as the scripture calls him, the ruler of this world, the devil himself, right? Brings us out of that and into the promised land of salvation. He glorified it once, actually many times, but then he's going to glorify it again as he works in and through Christ's death and resurrection to, to do what could not be done to save us from sin and to reconcile us to himself. So he goes on, verse 29, the crowd that stood there, and heard the voice that come from heaven. Some said that it thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice is, has come for your sake, not mine. Jesus didn't need to hear that voice to know that his father was there. And that he had heard his prayer. And looking ahead, Jesus says this in verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the sin of the whole world will be laid upon him and judged in one fell swoop, okay? Now is the judgment. He's, he's saying this is the time. He's not saying it's happening right at this moment, but he's saying, you know, as he looks toward the cross, he says now is the judgment of this world because all of that sin is going to go upon him. It's going to be judged again in one fell swoop. He goes on, now the ruler of this world as Jesus called him, will be cast out. What's he saying? He's saying that as a result of his death and resurrection, the authority that Satan legally had over the human race. Why? What happened? Because Adam and Eve in the garden, what did they do? They listened to the voice of the devil who said, you don't need God. You can do it on your own, right? All you need to do is know the knowledge of good and evil, and you can be every bit as good as God. And what did they do? They joined his rebellion. They came under his authority, didn't they? And Jesus broke that authority. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. So the authority that Satan had over human beings, because in our sin we joined his rebellion, and all of us, right, joined that same rebellion when we sinned against God, but now that power will be broken over all who believe. No more can he accuse them of sin. No more can he claim authority and power over them because they have been redeemed. Their debt's been paid. They've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus and have been brought into a different kingdom, right? We've been translated out of the kingdom of this world and into the kingdom of his dear son. I believe that's Colossians so we have a new kingdom with a different Lord. His name is Jesus. And the only power now that the devil has over human beings is the power of lies. That's it. No real authority because Jesus broke it. 
But if he can get us through his lies to reject God's offer of salvation, he's won. If he can get us to follow our own thoughts and our own emotions and our own ways instead of the good counsel of the word of God, he wins, right? No real authority, but he's a good liar. Jesus called him the father of lies, right? How do we, how do we counteract lies? With truth. Amen. So verse 32, and I, Jesus says, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. When he's lifted up from the earth, when he's crucified, when people get it, when they get it, when they see me on the cross, when they understand what it's all about, that I died for them, then I will draw them. When, they, when people understand how valuable they are to God, when they understand the length that God would go to for them personally, when they get it, I will draw them to myself. When they understand that I hung on that cross to save them, to deliver them, to give them eternal life, I will draw them to myself. I will be their savior and they will be my people. So go down to verse 35. So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. See, he's talking to the Jews here, right? Jesus came to his own, John 1.12 says, and his own received him not. He came to his own people. He came as a light. He came as a witness to them. He came to reveal the love of God to them in, in, in his teachings, in his healings, etc., etc. But he was going away. That light, that physical light of Jesus was going away. He says, walk while you have the light. I'm only going to be here a couple more days, right? You need to respond now. You need to respond now. Fortunately, although their light was going away, the light that appeared in human flesh, but we, but we, we have... We have the truth made clear, don't we? We have the understanding that Jesus came not only for them, but for us. And so that light through God's word is still available to us, right? And we have our, our time to respond as well, to walk while we have the light, lest the darkness overtake us. Kind of, kind of touched on this a couple of weeks ago. You know, you, you just never know from one day to the next. Uh, God is here now speaking to our hearts. The light is, is shining brightly before us now. We need to respond now. As Hebrews says, today is the day of salvation. Our window 
if you will, is open right now. The opportunity to become a child of the light. To walk in that light, forgiven, free, reconciled to God, knowing that we have eternal life in a daily relationship with the one who gladly gave his life for us. Let's take that opportunity. Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning. If you haven't seen it before, I hope you've seen it today. Through this imperfect preacher, but seeing what Jesus was willing to go through because, yes, you are that important to him. As someone once said, if you were the only one that needed saving, Jesus would have done it just for you. Do you see your value in his eyes? Do you see his goodness and his love and his generosity and his grace and his mercy and his compassion? The window is open. How will you respond? If you have not yet opened your heart to him and invited him to be your savior, personally, you and him, I urge you to do that. Take this window of opportunity this morning. Whether you're here or you're watching this online, take that opportunity and say, Lord, Wow, you are awesome, and you do love me, and you do think that much of me. I want to give you my heart. I want to give you my life. I want to give you my sins that I might know your forgiveness, that I might know you and walk with you day by day. I open my heart. I say, Jesus, come in. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. And I thank you because your word says that if I open that door, you will come in. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And if you're here this morning or in the sound of my voice and you've opened that door, there's two questions. The first one is, how will I respond? And the second is, How then will I live? Living in the freedom of what all he has given us. The freedom to gather together and worship. The freedom to get a copy of his word and learn and grow. The freedom to share his love with our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, etc. The freedom to be able to come to God anytime, day or night, not with, not with guilt or shame, but knowing that those sins were all judged on the cross, to be able to come humbly into God's presence and just receive his love and his wisdom every day. 
how will we live based on what he's done? Those are the effects of his sacrifice. Lord, again, thank you. Thank you for showing us in the most tangible way how much you love us. May we accept that love, receive that love, and share that love. Not only on Memorial Day, but Lord, every day. For your glory and for your honor. We praise you. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.